Okay, it's like uh, been a couple months, hasn't it, Monty? Uh, so let's try this. Good morning. Oh, that's good, man. That's what I needed to get going here. Hey, all right, the sirens in Greek mythology are these like human-like beings, and they have this song, the siren song. And, and I want you to know, traditionally, they're located uh, in the Strait of Messina in between Italy and Sicily, and, and here they wait for the passing ships, and they lure them into this moment and this place of destruction. In the Odyssey... Uh, Odysseus, who's coming home after the fall of Troy, realizes that he is about ready to go through this strait. He's about ready to encounter the siren song. And so what he's done and what he's been advised to do is to put wax in the ear of his, of his sailors so they could row past this so that the sh- they don't hear the luring call of the sirens. But you see, Odysseus wants to hear the song. And what they do is, is they tie him to the mast of the ship. And, and he wants to hear this alluring but destructive song. But his sailors have the wax in his ear. And so they take him through and he hears the song. And, and by doing this, he not only does he hear the song, but he saves his ship. In the year 2000, there was a, a movie called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, and it was an adaption to uh, the Odyssey. And in, in this movie, there was this guy by the name of Ulysses Everett, Everett McGill, who was returning home after escaping from prison, and he has two other people with him, two other prisoners, Delmar and Pete. And because it's an adaption to the Odyssey, there is this scene in here where they encounter the sirens, the deadly sirens. And I want to show you this very short clip of Pete's, and specifically Pete's reaction to the siren song. So let's go ahead and show this, this video. Shut up, Delmar. So Pete's got the itch. Go to sleep, you little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Whether we're talking about Odysseus or whether we're talking about, oh brother, where art thou? The siren song has always been a symbol for dangerous temptation. And I wanted to let you know today that in Scripture there is another siren song that sings just as powerful. And it's sung all throughout history. And the siren song in Scripture is the idea of worldly greatness. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 24, it says there is a dispute that arose among the disciples. And this dispute was about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus understands the power of the destructiveness of this siren song. And over and over again, what he's going to do and repeatedly what he's going to say to his disciples, he's going to try and warn them about this siren song that is so destructive. 
And today what we're going to do is we continue on our crosswalk series. We're going to talk about sacrificing worldly greatness for spiritual greatness. I want to let you know that we struggle with this. We struggle with this siren song of of worldly greatness. We struggle with this. And I want to let you know that not only do we struggle with this, but the disciples also struggled with this. And you would think that of all the people, all the people who would not struggle with worldly greatness would be the disciples. After they walked with Jesus, after they talked with Jesus, after they noticed how he served and ministered to people, all his teachings, you would think that they, did not, they would not struggle with this siren song. But that's not the case. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Follow me here just a little bit from the text. Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus makes this proclamation. He says this, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, and they're going to kill me. Peter at that point, who doesn't like that message, says, I want to let you know, he takes Jesus aside and he says, listen, that ain't going to happen to you. You are ruining my kingdom dreams. And Peter rebukes Jesus. In return, here's what happens though is this, Jesus rebukes Jesus. Peter. And he says, I want to let you know, you, you've got this all wrong. You've got this all wrong, Peter. What you need to understand is, is that you're, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to do cross-bearing. Mark chapter 9, again, he tells his apostles, his disciples, he says, I'm about ready to go to Jerusalem. They're going to betray me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on a cross. And again, as they're traveling on the road, Mark chapter 9 and verse 33, and when they're traveling on the road, Jesus says, what were you guys arguing about on the road? And they go, we were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And in order to illustrate this, here's what he does. He goes, he brings a child to him and he says, I want you to know that you're going to have to become like a child and you're going to have to deny yourself. And you would think that they would get that then, but they don't. Turn to Mark chapter 10, and this is going to be our text for the day. Mark chapter 10. Again, Jesus pronounces the fact that he is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die. And you would think they would get it then, but they don't. Let's read the text together. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. It reads this way. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said... We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What a question, huh? Jesus would do whatever, hey, whatever we want to, you tell, hey, Jesus, let us, we want to ask you a question and just do what we say. Jesus' response, what do you want from me? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right hand, the other sit on your left. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what you're asking. Jesus says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, and you will. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I baptize you with. But to sit on my right or left is not up for me to grant. These places belong for whom they have been prepared. 
Now, when the ten heard this, they were above all this. No, they weren't. In fact, they become indignant because James and John got the early in. They become indignant with them, with James and John. And Jesus called them all together. And he says this, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yet, in their brazenness, James and John still request in the midst of all this to sit on the right hands, these positions of authority. While I was doing a little research about this text, I, I rolled upon this quote. I love this. It, was, it came out of a commentary of Mark. It says, The disciples heard Jesus' word, but they have the music all wrong. They still dance to the world's tune. So as we examine this topic of greatness, here's the first thing I want to tell you is this. It's important to note is that Jesus wasn't condemning greatness. In, in its entire, he wasn't condemning greatness. In fact, in the verse it says, whoever wants to be great, there is a greatness to the kingdom of God, but it looks totally different from that of the world. It is totally different from the world. There is a self-walk greatness that is completely different from the cross-walk greatness that God calls us to. So what is this self-walk greatness? What, what is this? Well, what Jesus did, he said, I want you to look over here, and I want you to look at the rulers of the Gentiles. And I want, you to, I want, to, I want to point out to you what this worldly greatness or this self-walk greatness looks like. Look at the Look at the rulers of the Gentiles. And he uses two phrases there that describe what this is. The first one is this, is that they lord over them. And the other one is, is they exercise authority over them. But what does that mean? What does that mean to lord over or to exercise authority over someone? It means this, self-walk greatness is heavy-handed use of authority. Self-walk greatness is the desire to dominate. Self-walk greatness is this demand for compliance. Self-walk greatness is this high-handed autocratic rule of others, especially if it is to our advantage. Self-walk greatness is manipulation and the intimidation of others. Self-walk greatness is wielding power over others. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, all your positioning... All your positioning and all your prominence, your request for prominence, for authority, is just like the hard-hearted rulers of the Gentiles. And because they had this, because they had this, this self-walk greatness and this worldly greatness, they could not grasp the true nature of the kingdom of God. And you might be going... Man, that's bad. But you don't have to worry about me. You, listen, you don't have to, I don't have to worry about this. Listen, I'm not a leader. 
I, I hold no position of authority in the church. I, I'm just this ordinary Christian. But understand this. Jesus was using the rulers of the Gentiles only as an example, an illustration. Not to say it's just restricted for leaders. And, and what that means for us is this. It was, it, it's, the, it's the idea and the concept is, is that we are all, as crosswalk followers, not to engage in self-walk greatness. But how does this look for us? How does this self-walk greatness spill over or sometimes inspire this a destructive path in our lives? Self-walk greatness for us is this. When we use our spiritual entitlement, maybe it's our, our spiritual position or maybe it's the years we've been a Christian or maybe it's the idea and the concept of the number of years I've been a member of this church. When we do that to get what we want or demand compliance, that is self-walk greatness. Self-walk greatness is when in my day-to-day -day life I demand my way over the needs and the concerns of others. Self-walk greatness is when I step on or step over others to get what I want or to what I want to do. Self-walk greatness is manipulating other people to get what I want. Self-walk greatness is intentionally positioning myself to get attention from other people. Self-walk greatness is when I do have delegated authority or power, I use that authority or power not for the betterment of the people, but for my own self-interest. And that's how we struggle with this self-walk, this worldly leadership. But I want you to know that Jesus sets out a completely different path for us, a radically different path for us. There's this radically different scale of greatness in the kingdom of God. It's so radically different. And, and he does this in one simple phrase. He introduces what kingdom greatness looks like. What crosswalk greatness looks like. And when he says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 43, but it should not be that way with you. Here's what I want you to understand. There's... We sort of read past that, but it, there's a power to this. What happens is, is that he's taken that phrase and the verb of that phrase, and he's put it in it with a future imperative. And I know, but here's what he's saying is this. I am commanding you from this point on, this is not what, what greatness looks like. Not like the Gentiles. Not like the world. It's going to be completely different. It's as if he gets to chapter 10 in Mark, and he's sort of... He's sort of frustrated, right, Monty? He's frustrated, and he's going, listen, I've talked to you, and 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 here's what I'm telling you. From this moment on, greatness will look differently. It's going to look different from that of the world. And so we got to figure this out. What Jesus defines crosswalk greatness by using two terms. 
He uses the word servant, and he uses the word slave. And, and, and when we talk about, I'm going to sort of, you know, peel back the layers of this a little bit. Uh, being a crosswalk servant, what, what does that mean? And we hear this all the time, being a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. We're to serve the Lord. I mean, we use this all the time. Literally, it means this. One who advances the interests of others, even sacrificing their own interests. That's what a servant does. But man, I was studying a little bit more, and I dug just a little bit deeper. And the origins of this come from the word dust. Dust. Literally, a servant is one who labors in the dust, who runs through the dust. Are you catching the picture of this? The beauty of this? When we live in the trenches with people, we're running through the dust. It means we help people where they are and we're running through the dust. It means we don't stand at a distance and go, I think you need to be able to do that and you need to be able to do this and you need to be able to do that. It doesn't mean any of that. It means we run through the dust with people. Jesus is telling us, that crosswalk greatness means we labor in the dust of each other's lives. I want you to think about just for a moment is this. Think about the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know what he did? He just labored in the dust. He ran through in the dust with people. The next one is slave. Now understand, when we talk about servant, we're dealing more with the activity. When we talk about slave, we're dealing more with the relationship with the master. And to be a slave, it says to be a, to be, uh, to be a slave, to be a chief slave, literally what he says is this. He's saying, I want you to be completely dependent on me as Master Jesus. And to be a slave means I'm completely consumed to do the will of our Master Jesus. It answers this question, how and why should I serve, doesn't it? How and why should I serve? How can I advance the interests of others above my own? How can I walk through the dust of the lives of people? How could I do that? Because I am completely dependent upon King Jesus. And I'm completely consumed by his will. Practically speaking, it means this. I am not free to do whatever I want. Let me say that one more time. Practically speaking, it means this. I am not free to do whatever I want. I am completely consumed with the will of the Father. The last thing to understand is this word that we often overlook. If we're going to talk about crosswalk greatness, this last one is so important. Notice in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Put your eyes there and, and notice this one word. The last element of crosswalk greatness is the word all. It's the word all. It means that I cannot pick and choose who I will serve. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. I serve all. 
It means I advance the interests of all people. It means I walk in the dust of all people. It means I sacrifice my interests, my own interests, for the sake of all people. You see, Jesus is calling us to a greatness, not a self-walk greatness, but a cross-walk greatness. And I want to break this down just even a little bit more. So, so what does that mean in my day-to-day life? What, what does that look like, Bill? Tell me, tell me some more here. The first thing it is this. Crosswalk greatness means I renounce all of the world's definitions of what it means to be great. Did you hear that? Crosswalk greatness means this. I renounce, I renounce all the world's definitions of what it means to be great. I renounce power and dominance and manipulation and intimidation. Crosswalk greatness. And I love this one. Crosswalk greatness means we are a dirty, dusty people. We are a dirty, dusty people. Why? Because we're walking through, we're running through the dust of people's lives, and they're running through our dust, the dust of our lives. And so we walk around, and it's a good day. We got a lot of grime on us, right? Hey, this is the only time I'm ever going to tell you to go get dirty. Listen, go get dirty. Sean, see a little dirt on you, brother. That's good, man. Lorinda. I see a little dirt on you. Way to go, man. That's great. That is awesome. That is awesome. Link, I see you, man. You are just filthy. (laughs) And that's good, man. Way to go, Link. Dirty, dusty people. That's who we are. The other thing is this, is that we look at this world differently. We just look differently at this world. We, we don't look at it from how people could meet my needs, but we look at this world on how we can meet the needs of people around us. We act differently. We long for, we long for moments and times when we could serve. I, I mean, we, should, we need to be the church that we got to turn people... Turn people away. Hey, we have a service opportunity. We have 500 people. I'm sorry. We're going to have to turn at least 450 of you back. I mean, we long for that. We act differently. Crosswalk greatness means this also. We are not consumers. We're servers. Did you hear me? We are not consumers We're servers. Crosswalk greatness. To sum it up is this. Crosswalk greatness is dying to myself so that I can live for you. There's still one more question to to be asked. And the the, the question is this, but why? Why? Why would Jesus want me to sacrifice worldly greatness... Self-walk greatness on the cross. 
Right? That's the other side of the cross. Why wouldn't he want me to do that? Let me just tell you, power and control are so alluring. There's such a powerful song. And Jesus wants me to nail that to the cross. And if I'm going to do that, i got to know why. There has to be something greater out there than power and control. Because i got to be honest with you. That is one tough song. Worldly greatness. But let me give you some reason why. Let me talk to you about the greater joy of crosswalk greatness. The first one is found in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Notice what it says there. Jesus came to do what? To what? Not to be served, but to what? Let's say it again. Not to be what? Served, but to serve. The entirety of his life, the entirety of his ministry was that of service. And, and when we serve each other and we serve this world, let me just tell you, we are closer to Jesus than any other moment in time in our lives. We're closer to him. And as a Christian, that's what I want to do. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. And Jesus would say to us, crosswalk, greatness then, serve and be a slave. Number two is this. There's a blessing to crosswalk greatness. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, the only red letters you're going to find in the book of Acts, is when Jesus says this, it is more blessed to give than receive. I want to let you know there is a blessing coming alongside a person and walking with them in the dust of their life. There is a blessing that comes when a hug is given and a tear is wiped away. There is a blessing to sitting in silence with somebody who is ripped up by grief. There's a, there's a blessing that comes when we rake leaves and we paint houses and we send thank you notes and we make dinners for other people. There's a blessing to that. And that's why Jesus could say, I want you to crucify worldly greatness and I want you to have a crosswalk greatness. And finally is this. you got to put your eyeballs on this verse. Turn to Revelation. Turn to Revelation. Okay, last one. Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 14 and verse 3. I love this verse. The reason why. Why can I go from crosswalk, from self-walk greatness, worldly greatness, to, to crosswalk greatness, to spiritual greatness? Listen to this. Then I heard a voice from heaven say... Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Amen to that. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will what? Follow them. Now let's get this right. We are not saved by our deeds. Only what Jesus did on the cross, his sacrifice, his blood, we are not saved by that. But I want to let you know something. The thing we're going to take to heaven with us is our crosswalk greatness, our service to him. Isn't that this amazing thing? Could you imagine you get to heaven, Jesus looks down at you and goes, Woo-wee! You got some tail there. Thank you. You're the only one who got it. I mean, it's this tail of stuff that's following us. It's all the deeds that we've done, the service that we've provided people. 
Isn't that cool thought? Isn't that a cool imagery there? Yeah, amen is that. That's a cool thought, isn't it? And so that's what he's calling us. That's the why. So today, here's the call. Let us sacrifice worldly greatness so that we can receive a greater joy of crosswalk greatness. And today, here's what we're here to help you with. We're, help you, we're here to help you sacrifice worldly greatness for spiritual greatness for the Lord as we stand and as we sing.